Well, welcome to online worship at Calvary for the week of June 20th, 2021. If you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to grab today's worship bulletin, either in the Calvary app or on the web at calvary.news bulletin. That bulletin is full of ways to connect with Calvary, both online and in person. I also want to invite you to virtual coffee and donuts on Zoom at 10 a.m. on Sunday. It's a great place for online worshipers to interact with each other, talk about the service, and catch up on what's been happening this past week. Now, our scripture that we'll be working through in this service comes from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 through 10 and 14 through 17. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we were once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Now, as Stacy shares this next song, I want you to take a moment to really think about what Paul meant when he said, the old has gone and the new has come. How have you experienced that passing of the old and the embracing of the new? How have you sometimes held on too tightly to the past and missed the new that's been right in front of you? And what's keeping you from becoming fully in Christ?
please join me in prayer. Lord, our self-confidence seems to ebb and flow with the circumstances of our lives. When things go well, our confidence soars. When things don't, it falters. Where and how can we find a confidence that will last? Help us, Lord. Amen. As a college student, I was invited to preach one Sunday at my home church. It was the first time that my family and friends would have the opportunity to see and hear how much one of their own had learned in just a few short years. I worked hard on that sermon, certain that God and I had created a homiletical masterpiece. I even remember the title. It was called The Ten Freedoms. It was taken from the text on the Ten Commandments found in Exodus 21 through 17. As I took to the pulpit and looked out over the congregation, I began to preach. Before long, I noticed that my lips were getting dry. And just a few minutes into my sermon, my tongue began to stick to the roof of my mouth. As you can imagine, self-consciousness began to take over, which only made matters worse. One of the deacons, seeing my plight, took mercy on me and left to get a glass of water. When he returned, he placed it upon the pulpit. I paused. I thanked him. I picked up the glass, and with trembling hands, I raised it to my lips. I don't remember spilling any of the water on me. However, I do remember that it was suddenly getting quite hot where I stood. I managed to swallow the water, and with moistened lips, I pressed on to finish my message. Now, if I had not been called by God to preach, that may have very well been my first and last sermon. Interestingly, I was scheduled to preach just a few hours later for the Sunday evening service. It was the best thing that could have happened, kind of like falling off a bike and getting right back on. When I got up to preach that evening, a smile crossed my face as I looked down to find a full glass of water sitting inside the pulpit. As I recall, I never did need to take a drink from that glass. Whatever confidence I had myself or my abilities that day quickly evaporated, quite literally. We can be overconfident in certain situations and end up falling flat on our faces. Yet more often, we suffer from a lack of confidence and fail to fully engage in life. Somewhere in between is that proper balance of an awareness of our abilities and their limits and the unlimited ability of God. The Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the early Christian church in Corinth, Greece, addresses this subject of confidence. And in so doing, Paul reveals for us both the source and the results of our confidence. Let's begin with the source. Paul writes, for the love of Christ urges us on because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. 
And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. If the source of our confidence is ourself, it will take us only so far. If the source of our confidence is another person, it will last only as long as they don't disappoint us. There have been those, some of the most notable men, who have refused to cooperate with Christ and have come to a very ignoble finish in their lives. Two such people were the famous writers H.G. Wells and George Bernard Shaw. They were brilliant men with worldly wisdom, yet they rejected the message of Scripture. They placed their trust in their own systems of belief, which were based on human reason alone. Yet they could not find lasting inner peace, and they slowly lost confidence in what they believed. Wells' final literary work, Mind at the End of Its Tether, has been aptly called a scream of despair. And shortly before Shaw died in 1950, he wrote, the science to which I pinned my faith is bankrupt. Its councils, which should have established the millennium, have led directly to the suicide of Europe. I believed them once. In their name, I helped to destroy the faith of millions. And now they look at me and witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost his faith. If, on the other hand, the source of our confidence is Jesus Christ, who died for us, and rose from the dead for us, then we have a confidence that will last in eternity. Steve McQueen was an A-list actor who led a life as tough as the ones he portrayed on the screen. Success filled his life until alcohol and a failed marriage left him empty. In his despair, he attended a crusade led by one of Billy Graham's associates. McQueen made a profession of faith and requested an opportunity to speak with Billy Graham. A connecting flight in Los Angeles allowed Dr. Graham to spend a couple of hours with Mr. McQueen in the actor's limousine. Billy Graham shared numerous scriptures in his quest to give spiritual hope and assurance. Steve McQueen struggled with the thought of God giving eternal life to a man who had such a checkered past. In Titus 1-2, however, he found a promise that spoke to him. Faith and knowledge, resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. McQueen requested something to write down the verse, but Billy Graham gave him the Bible instead. Later, Steve McQueen died in Mexico at the age of 50 while seeking experimental treatment for his terminal cancer. He passed into eternity with his Bible open to Titus 1 and his finger resting on verse 2. With our confidence rightly placed in Jesus Christ, we are now empowered to do things that do not come naturally things that are not humanly possible, things like walking by faith and not by sight alone. When we walk by sight alone, we become focused on all the possibilities 
and the impossibilities that life can throw our way. With too many choices, we are overwhelmed into inaction. With an awareness of all that could go wrong, we are immobilized with fear. When we walk by faith and not by sight alone, we begin to put things into their proper perspective, God's perspective, not just our own. In fact, in time and with practice, God's perspective becomes our perspective. We begin to see that all of life's hindrances and hardships are not prison bars that prevent us from accomplishing what God created us to do and be, but rather rungs in a ladder that allow us to ascend through life and gain a broader and clearer perspective on reality. Oswald Chambers, in his devotional classic, My Utmost for His Highest, writes, A higher state of mind and spiritual vision can only be achieved through the higher practice of personal character. If you live up to the highest and best that you know in the outer level of your life, God will continually say to you, friend, come up even higher. Now there is also a continuing rule in temptation which calls you to go higher, but when you do, you only encounter other temptations and character traits. Both God and Satan use the strategy of elevation, but Satan uses it in temptation and the effect is quite different. When the devil elevates you to a certain place, he causes you to fasten your idea of what holiness is far beyond what flesh and blood could ever bear or achieve. Your life becomes a spiritual acrobatic performance high atop a steeple. You cling to it, trying to maintain your balance and daring not to move. But when God elevates you by his grace into heavenly places, you find a vast plateau where you can move about with ease. With our confidence rightly placed in Jesus Christ, we are now empowered to do things that do not come naturally, things that are not humanly possible, things like making it our aim in life to please God rather than ourselves. It is only natural for us to want to please ourselves. It is our human condition. It is a result of our fall in the Garden of Eden. C.S. Lewis said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Wrap it around carefully with hobbies and little luxuries, avoiding all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Making it our aim in life to please God rather than ourselves does not come naturally. It comes supernaturally it is only possible when our confidence is grounded in Jesus Christ. Kent Crockett shares a personal story that has some 
parallels to my own. He writes, when I first enrolled in seminary, I made an appointment to talk to the dean of men to see if I could get a room in the dormitory. When I walked into his office, the first thing he asked was, are you applying for the janitor's job? No, I said, I'm here to see if any rooms are available in the dorm. I'm sorry, the dormitory is full. We'll put you on the waiting list. But if you know anyone who wants a job as a janitor, please send him to see me. I told him that I wasn't interested and thanked him for his time. When I left his office and walked outside, I prayed, Lord, please provide a room for me. God stopped me on the sidewalk and spoke to my heart. Go take the job. Take the job? I prayed for a room, not a job. But I knew in my heart I needed to obey. Immediately, I did an about-face, walked into the dean's office and said, I'll take that janitor's job, and he hired me on the spot. At first, I had to battle my pride. I thought about how overqualified I was. I had a college degree and was working on my master's. I was given a seminary janitor shirt and a little push cart stocked with soap, gloves, toilet paper, toilet bowl cleaning, and a brush. Every day I pushed that cart down the hallway, cleaned toilets, scrubbed showers, and emptied trash cans. And it wasn't long before I discovered that cleaning those bathrooms in the men's dorm was part of my spiritual education. I learned to do those jobs that no one else wanted. As I cleaned those toilets every day, I made a surprising discovery. God spoke to my heart more clearly than I had ever heard him before. I meditated on scriptures as I worked, and God gave me insights into his word. I then realized that cleaning toilets was part of my training for ministry. If I wasn't willing to serve God as a custodian, how could he trust me with other greater responsibilities? I spent my entire three years in seminary cleaning toilets and attending classes, and I'm convinced that half of what I learned in seminary was in the classroom, and the other half was in the bathrooms. I also learned to respect and thank janitors for the work that they perform. God used that job to teach me that in whatever task he calls me to do in life, I am actually serving him. As Christians, our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is in our Lord Jesus Christ. And to help us remember this truth, I want to challenge you to memorize the final verse of today's text. Paul writes, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Amen. Good.
must ever be found Could a garden come up from this ground at all? You make beautiful things You make beautiful things out of the dust Spring up.
Well, thanks for worshiping online with us today at Calvary. And don't forget to check out the website or Calvary app to find out about upcoming events, programs, and service projects online or in person. Lord, we thank you for the confidence that you instill within our lives through our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to go boldly into the world this week to serve you in his name. Amen.